Welcome to Teach Out Loud Podcast, where we highlight all the amazing educators in our state and beyond that are making a difference every day for kids. Teach Out Loud is about bringing your passion and your best self to what you are doing every day. It's trying new things, sharing ideas, and being the best version of you. It's living life to the fullest, growing, and not being afraid to take those risks. Come on this journey with us and Teach Out Loud. I'm Travis Lape. And I'm Lisa Norris. And together we are on a journey to share and highlight amazing things happening in schools today. Welcome back to another episode of Teach Out Loud. And Lisa, we have a special guest with us today. We have a rock star educator today. Let's just say that. It's going to be an awesome show. So today we have Gina Benz. Um, I'm going to introduce her this way. First, she's a learner. She went to the University of Sioux Falls. Goku! Yeah, yeah. And she got her master's in English from SDSU. She is a teacher. She has been at Roosevelt High School for the last 20 years, which is amazing. Uh, third, she's a leader. She's been in multiple leadership opportunities and roles. Um, then she is a writer. She has all sorts of publications, right? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm still going, Travis. Then she is also a speaker. She's had numerous opportunities to go and speak to a variety of different groups. I call her a rock star because she's been featured in articles. She's received many awards, including the Milken Award in 2015, which is so cool. And she does all of this by showing grace kindness and her passion for teaching just oozes so welcome to our show Gina thank you for having me we are just we're, we're so lucky to have you to share your thoughts and your experiences because I think the other thing in that bio that maybe wasn't touched on is just how how quiet of a leader you are Gina yeah like you do so many incredible things but it's never about the the publications. It's never about the awards for you. Uh, at the heart of what you do every day for kids is, is really that, um, focusing on them and all those other things just happen, but it's, you're not, you're not searching those things out. No, and that's why I said she does it all with grace because she, she's just, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Gina, so I think for our listeners, kind of give your why. Why did you get into education and what still lights the fire for you? You know, I never wanted to be a teacher, even when I started college. I remember sitting in my high school classroom, American Lit, looking around and thinking, never. I will never do this. This looks terrible. <laughs> and that was, <laughs> that was probably for the best because, you know, even earlier when I was a little kid, my sister and I would play school. And the thing I loved most about playing school was putting big red check marks all over her papers, big fat F's on those papers. Oh, that's funny. And that is not what we want from teachers, teachers who love that, right? Right. Well, I went to, yeah, so I went to USF and uh, thought, I'm going to be a marriage and family therapist. Ooh. That's how I'm going to help the world. And uh, I thought, but to get that degree, I have to go to grad school, so I should be practical. And pick a, another degree, um, a, a degree for my bachelor's, a major for my bachelor's degree that could be used anywhere. And so I liked reading and writing. So I went with English and thought teacher is practical. I wasn't really in love with the idea of the career though, but my professors there at USF, they hooked me and never, I've never looked back. Best career decision ever. Well, we're going to thank those professors, whoever they were, because we are so grateful that you are doing what you're doing. You actually just shared with us, you have one of my former students with you right now, and I love that. That's amazing that you're still, and now you're teaching other people to become teachers. So, 
Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of my job, hosting practicum students, uh, mostly because then I can share my love of teaching with them, but also because they were just so helpful. It's so good to be able to break my class into small groups and have um, a mentor or a teacher working with them one-on-one -on -one just to increase, increase engagement in the classroom. Right. Right. So one of the biggest things I think that people or people talk about you is you had a quote that said, for me, the worst part of teaching is grading. And from there, you went to your gradeless classroom. Can you tell our listeners about that process and what happened and what it's all about? Yeah, it was, I think it was the winter break or December of 2017. I can picture myself sitting at my table, doing lesson plans, grading papers, whatnot. And I could hear my husband and my two kids in the living room watching a show together, laughing, having a good time, bonding. And there I was in an entirely different room uh, doing something I love. I'm kind of maybe I'm weird in that way, but I do love giving my students feedback and helping them because right. as an English teacher, you know, we have a high responsibility. We're teaching people how to be critical readers and how to write and how and if you can read well and write well, you have more power in this world. And my goal as a teacher is to give my students more options and opportunities for their lives. Right. So I wasn't miserable, but I also knew that something wasn't right. So over the winter break, I am a podcast nut. I love my podcast <laughs> uh, that I listen to, and including yours. And <laughs> I... <laughs> and there was a podcast on Cult of Pedagogy with Jennifer Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. Uh, featuring, yeah, featuring Star Saxstein. Star Saxstein kind of had my job. She's a high school English teacher in New York City, and she had gone gradeless. So I listened to the podcast, started doing the research, uh, just through the internet, found tons of articles and online groups of teachers who are creating gradeless classrooms. And I thought, you know, I cannot dive into this that this this is pretty radical but i think i can wade into these waters maybe go knee deep into these waters and see how it works and so during the third quarter of the school year uh, I, I tried some things that were toward the gradeless classroom movement and my students loved it they i constantly ask my students for feedback on my own teaching so if we finish a unit or something I say, tell me what I should keep doing in the future. Tell me what I should change. And they kept saying, keep doing this, keep doing this, because we feel less anxiety when we aren't graded all the time. We feel like we can take on challenges. We feel willing to take on risks with our learning, and we're not scared about our GPA and scared about a grade. And I learned then that grades are scary, and the classroom should be about fun and hope and grades do a real good job at killing fun and hope. Sure. So your students loved it. What was your um, reaction like from your admin? What, did, what were they thinking? Well, I put together a Google presentation and included the research I had done, showed, had some screenshots of my methods, my grade book, and I scheduled a meeting. I have three principals and all three were there. Oh, wow. And I went, through my, I, I went through my presentation with them, let them ask me questions, and they said it sounded like a great idea, great plan, keep going with it. The important thing, though, was that I be very clear and frequent with my communication with both my students and their parents, because it is something radical, something people aren't used to. 
So, you know, for anybody who might be thinking of moving to a gradeless classroom, you have to have that communication part in, in line. Otherwise, it's going to be really hard. Right. And what a godsend they were to let them, you know, to empower you to follow what you really believed in. You don't always find that. And so that's amazing that they were so supportive of you. You're exactly right. And you use the exact right word, empower. And at Roosevelt High School, I have administrators as well as my department chair who are just that. They've always been empowering to me and shown me a trust that I'm eternally grateful for. Gina, so when you talk about a little bit of that communication, what does that look like in a, in a grade list classroom for, for our listeners? So at the beginning of the year, when we have the open house, I am sure to talk about it then. Mostly my reason for it and a little bit of what it looks like. And then also in messages I send home via email, I will again reiterate what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and then include some links to research. And now that I have my website, I can just link, just direct them to my website. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, rewind, reminders, especially around reporting periods, midterm, quarter, semester, that here's what I do. Um, feel free to contact me if you have questions. Um, what it looks like and why I don't think I've had one parent concerned yet is because I say that everything in this gradeless classroom can be redone worked through again, revised, so that you are learning. Because I learned this from my daughter being in middle school. She had a math test that didn't go well. We'd been on vacation actually, and she missed a few days of instruction. And the teacher gave her a chance to try a different version of the test after okay. she had a couple more days to catch up and learn. And sure enough, then she got an A on it. And I thought, of course, if she's going to have to take a semester test eventually, don't we want the students to try again until they get it? Because then they'll be more prepared for the final exam, the summative assessment. And so I, I was so impressed by what that teacher did, Mr. Leach over at Memorial. And, and I started to integrate it into my own classroom. And th those, are, those are movements that I think in our education system have to start to take a hold is this idea that school has always been about learning, but the structures in which we are co sometimes confined to do or use does not support that at all. I, I mean, it just doesn't. We, we slap a grade on it, and what happens when you slap a grade on something? A kid's not gonna persist to get it better. A kid's not gonna go back and strive for accuracy. And so I, I think the, the method that you're using and the strategies that you're using is, is a powerful way to really put the focus on the learning and not so much on what did I get on this assignment. You're exactly right. Once a grade, especially a letter or a number, which I guess a grade is, is put on paper, the learning stops. So instead of a grade on paper, I, I lean towards feedback. So writing a note to them about what's going well and what needs to be improved upon. Sure. I, I like to say that I'm moving away from a grading game mm -hmm. to a learning lab. Yeah. Because it, as teachers, I think most of us have been in this position where we know just a couple more points, that's what the student needs. And it's always this points game that they play. Right. I like the idea of a lab where we test things out, we experiment, sometimes we fail, but we pick ourselves back up and test it again. Um, learning lab, that's my goal. I love that. I love that.
And then when you're talking about feedback, that kind of segues into our next thing was your discussion-based classroom. Um, is that just um, something that you started, have been doing for a while? Can you share with our listeners what that's all about? It's really important to me that the classroom is authentic. Uh, what I mean by that is it shouldn't be this contrived space that doesn't connect to what happens outside of the school walls. So I've always thought of my English classroom in two ways. First of all, like a book club, because that does happen outside the school walls. Sure. And secondly, um, a place to write where you can make something change or uh, be an activist of sorts. So I think about how I, how I personally like to blog or people, once upon a time wrote letters to the editor and so i kind right. of approach things uh, in a way that is, is as authentic as possible and also gives the students a lot of agency or choice um, and i try to then empower the students in that way so discussion-based classroom i uh, ended up developing this method i called one two three method or three two one method and for discussion, I like to do one, two, three, which means we start with the individual, which is the one spot. And so I have, you know, maybe we've just read a chapter or two from a book and I'll say, it could be very open-ended. Please write a paragraph about what stood out to you most in this chapter. What do you think the most significant message is in this chapter? Or maybe I'll take a quote from the chapter and have the students write a response to that, but it's always individual. So they have time to gather their thoughts and then we move to two, which means they meet with another person, maybe the person beside them, or a small group. So either a group of two, three, or four. And they talk through what their thoughts were in their writing that they just finished. I love that. And then the three spot is when we come together as a whole group and talk about what we've learned. And then the discussion just flows because a long time ago, a veteran teacher, Jan Har, told me that once you get students to talk one time, they're more likely to talk again. And I yeah. tell you what, I hate a quiet classroom. It just gives me the <laughs> What? Doesn't that show you you have engagement and you have classroom <laughs> management <laughs> and organization? You'll score really well on that teacher observation. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, over at Roosevelt, I'm in charge of, I, well, I have been in charge of the accreditation process and our last accreditation review they said, we see so many good things happening here, but what we're concerned about is we see a whole lot of compliant students and we'd like to see more engaged students. And isn't that the truth? Yeah. We're not looking for compliance anymore. We're looking for a step beyond engagement. Right. right. So, yeah, so anyhow, um, the discussions go really well because they've had time to think through their thoughts as they wrote personally and tested those ideas out with classmates and already, you know, kind of broken the voice box and they've been talking. And, and then I just have to sit back and, and let them talk. And, you know, I have my ideas of what I want to make sure we cover, but I can usually work that in as they share their ideas and sure. epiphanies. Mm -hmm. I mean, your work just reminds me of a book of, um, the title of it is called, you know, who, who's doing the work. And when we yes. our classrooms, you know, like I, what I love there is, you're still there. You're still the expert in the room to support and guide the conversations, but you're not doing the heavy lifting. You're not doing the, 
the thought, the thinking for them or the problem solving for them or the, you know, the conversations for them, they're driving that and you're just there now really supporting it at a deeper level of this is where we've got to get to. Yes. And that's a big uh, pillar or tenant of gradeless classrooms as well, that we are coming alongside students and differentiating like crazy and meeting with students and seeing where they're at in the work that they're doing and um, yeah, coming, being a guide on the side. Oh, a guide on the side. I love all your little sayings that you have. <laughs> I love things like that. They're already sticking in my brain. That's so much fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Gina, my, my, go nope. ahead. Nope, you go ahead. Uh, my saying that I think I say the most to myself is to inspect what I expect. So again, this relates to gradeless classrooms too. Uh, students, when the students are working on their things, I can't be at my desk working on my things. I have to inspect what I but Why? <laughs> so, so I am rarely at my desk. I like to walk around and just check in with every student and give, I mean, it's, it's feedback. It's all about feedback, whether I'm writing feedback or verbally giving them feedback. That's where the learning happens. And that goes to our favorite word, relationships. By doing that, yes. you are building those relationships with those students. Absolutely. And the, the trust thing is so important. I got to tell you something interesting I did this year. Uh, I, uh, this, at the beginning of the school year, I said to the students, do not ask me if you have to use the restroom. <laughs> you are high school students, and I know I can trust you and you are old enough to know when you can use the restroom and how long you should use the restroom for. And so I said, I just ask that it's just one person at a time. So if you've noticed that someone else is left for the restroom, if you're able to, you know, sure. and wait till that person returns, I, I'd appreciate it. And I teach all sorts of students, you know, um, sometimes people say, oh, well, you have AP students. I, I, have all, I have all sorts of students, a lot of diversity. And uh, and none of my classes have made this a problem for me in any way. Uh, it has been a blessing to me as a teacher because my instruction and my time with students is no longer interrupted by students asking to use the restroom. And I think the students saw that I had a certain level of respect and trust for them, and they wanted to honor that, and they didn't yep. want to lose that. Yep. So that, that's been something awesome from this year. Very cool. I always ask learners when I walk into the room, if I see them not, you know, engaged with something or off task, I always just lean down and I ask, you know, are you doing what's best for your learning? And they, mm -hmm. they know, like, they'll be honest with you. And so, I mean, that's kind of that same idea of like when our kids ask us, hey, can I go to the bathroom? We ask them, is it best for your learning right now to leave? And they then have to make that decision. Do I really need to go to the bathroom or should I stay here or do I just need a break? Like, do I just need a five minute yeah. brain break of just getting some walking in and coming back? Mm -hmm. So I am right with you on that. Yeah. Gina, I think as we transition here, you've been a pretty big influence and even an individual that has helped write this pathway in Sioux Falls. And so maybe for our listeners, talk a little bit about this journey now of really thinking about how do we grow our own and in that whole work of creating the teacher pathway in Sioux Falls? It all started with Dr. Donald Easton Brooks, who was the Dean of Education at the University of South Dakota. Uh, back in 2016, I think, he uh, met with the Sioux Falls School District and 
had this idea for a teacher pathway program, which he had seen in action in Oregon. Okay. So the Sioux Falls School District was eager to start this for, uh, for one big, for two reasons. First of all, you know, we do tend to get applicants for every open position, but that doesn't mean we get a lot of applicants. And okay. so they wanted to increase our pool of applicants for positions so we can be sure to have, you know, to choose really the best person for our kids. And then also in Sioux Falls, our teaching staff is 98% white, but our student body is 60% white. And that's a huge discrepancy. Sure. So we wanted students to uh, have more teachers that look like them, um, but not just that. That's pretty superficial, actually. Um, right. Teachers who who understand their culture. There you go. And it doesn't mean that you have to be black to understand black culture, though to some extent you do. Um, but the idea is that we wanted to develop culturally culturally responsive teachers. Okay. And so, uh, what Dr. Donald Easterbrook says in his book Ethnic Matching is that all teachers can be good for students of all races, but there are certain qualities you have to develop to do that. So anyhow, uh, Sioux Falls School District asked four of us high school teachers, because we have our four high schools, a lot of times people forget about New Tech High School, uh, to develop the curriculum. We spent a year developing it from scratch. Uh, we thought, well, there's this one in Oregon, can't we follow them? And right. <laughs> he said, no. No, you have to grow your own and it has to meet your own cultural needs for your own buildings. So we developed the curriculum. We ended up making Teacher Pathway 1 and Teacher Pathway 2. Teacher Pathway 1 is like a foundations of education course one might take in college. Okay. So we learn about the history of education, ethics, professionalism, uh, the basics of lesson planning, classroom management, and then most importantly, a lot about student diversity and cultural responsiveness. Okay. That class, uh, USD grants two college credits for our Teacher Pathway students who take that class. So it's like dual credit, but it's actually called concurrent credit. We also get to have practicum work. So every Thursday, my students do not meet in my classroom at Roosevelt. Instead, we meet at Oscar Howe Elementary, which is really close to Roosevelt. You can walk between the sure. two. And they're assigned a classroom where they help the teacher however the teacher wants. And usually it means they're helping one student or a small group of students on some reading or math skills. <clears throat> and then we also do field trips. We take a field trip to USD so students can step onto a college campus and, and then also experience uh, maybe two college classes in their field that they're interested in. So education and then maybe science or English, whatever. And in the spring, we also can do a field trip, a more local one to like alternative schools or something different like that. And then the last element is that students can do full day job shadows. So I arrange those and they can choose whatever they want in Sioux Falls. I've even done a few outside of Sioux Falls. So if a student thinks, I really want to be a middle school social studies teacher, I might send them over to Memorial Middle School McGovern and have them experience that for a day. And I tell you what, the students are starting, they, they realize what they do and do not want to do because they're taking teacher say, pathway. Do you know how many kids graduate? They think they're gonna be a teacher. They go through all through college and then they're like, oh, well, this isn't what I thought. Or maybe they thought they wanted to work with middle schoolers and decided, nope, I'm better in kindergarten. So this is a great 
great opportunity for them to get their feet wet, so to speak, and see what they enjoy. Yeah, and so that college time isn't, there isn't any time wasted. I don't know if that's the best word for that. Right. But, you know, they, um, hopefully it saves them on tuition in some way. <laughs> and so uh, teacher pathway two is second semester. And there we go a little deeper. We do some research. Uh, we really dig into assessment, uh, again, more with the cultural responsiveness. And that course gives them a high school English credit. So we do much more reading and writing in that one, whereas okay. first semester, it's an elective credit for high school. And the course second semester also provides one credit from USD. So they can go to, go to college with three credits already in um, the education for, from the education department. Very that's, cool. That's very good. Have you seen and, have you seen good interest? Yes, uh, the first year we my I think I had uh, the number of students I had was in the forties. This year it's been around thirty, and next year I think we've had almost sixty students sign up. So awesome. there is a lot of interest. That's awesome. And some, some students don't some students sign up not because they want to be teachers. Uh, they just enjoy talking about education issues, and we do that a lot. Again, I love discussion-based classrooms. So today, for instance, in Teacher Pathway, we ended up talking about dress codes for quite a long time and exploring uh -huh. you know, the rationale between behind dress codes and what seems very defensible and what doesn't. Uh, we have great discussions. So some students just take the class for to learn something about schools. And you know, if my students decide they don't want to be a teacher, which a few did last year, and that's fine, it's okay because they're going to be taxpayers. They're, they might be parents yep. or aunties or uncles. And uh, it's good to know more about the school system. They often say that it's like um, I have pulled back the curtain. So they see what happens behind the scenes. Ah. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's good for our whole, uh, for all citizens, if they could see what happens behind the scenes in school. Ooh, yeah. now you can put that on your resume. You're the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Dina, we just want to thank you so much for being here today. This is such great information. The gradeless classroom, the discussion-based classroom, the teacher pathway, so much good information for our listeners out there. And we just appreciate what you're doing each and every day and, and helping new um, young and upcoming teachers, you know, follow their passion where they would like to go. Um, do you have a shout out though for our listeners to end our show today? Something that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yeah. I think the classroom should be characterized by two words, fun. I don't know why we ever took the fun out of learning, but unfortunately schools did in, in many cases. Classrooms should be fun and they should also have hope. And if we can have a classroom that's fun and has hope, that's a real good start. Anyway, it's gonna like her. I'm all about the fun, baby, gotta have fun. Sometimes I have to tone Lisa down. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gina, thanks so much again for, for just sharing your knowledge. And I think hopefully if this has encouraged anybody that, to think about these things, that they would start to dig into some of that research of gradeless classrooms, discussion-based classrooms. And be a little radical. Step be, out of their comfort zone. Be a little radical. Push the envelope and ask the right questions uh, to not only your colleagues, but also your, your administrators and individuals that maybe are putting some roadblocks in that maybe they don't even know they're putting roadblocks in. So thanks so much, Gina, for giving that voice and sharing your stories with our listeners today. 
Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Be part of the community. Be part of the solution. And until then, teach out loud.